Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Upcast, your weekly spooky feel-good episode with frightful reviews of chilling new shows, your creepy songs of the week, some simply terrifying DLC, and tales from the hearse. I am your ghost host, Andrew Lomi, and let's dive right into the Beyond. Hey everybody, so this week we've got a pretty special, pretty fantastic, spooktacular episode of the Growing Up cast. We got all the usual awesome tidbits, we got new Harry Potter chapters, we got new songs of the week, I talk about some new TV shows, played some new DLC, talk about some new video games, ah, oh, there's all sorts of stuff. There's lots of lots of good stuff in here. And of course, to keep it all nice and spooky, some new chilling music to go underneath it all. <laughs> but let's start it off nice with the first thing of the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the segment of the spooky podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna... Yeah, it's every segment of the podcast is going to start like that. Anyway, we're going to do something I do most weeks, which is talk about TV and movies and stuff like that. But naturally, this time we're going to talk about some spooky, spooky shit. That's that's brand new. It's brand new spooky shit on Netflix right now. It's called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Now, if you grew up in the 90s or grew up in the time periods of which I think it was on ABC, but I remember watching like older reruns on Nick at Night of Sabrina the Teenage Witch with Melissa Joan Hart and that amazing talking cat, Salem. Um, that was, to my memory, was pretty lighthearted. Um, it was definitely a family-centered show. You know, it was much more about, oh, look, you're a witch and a teenager. What kind of wacky shit are you going to get up to? Not this fucking show, motherfuckers. This show, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which actually takes its name directly from the comic book in which it is based on, is a lot darker it's a lot more scary, and it's really good. So I've only seen the first episode, but I'm already I'm sold. Um, and I just want to I want to talk. So my number one thing going in was does the cat talk? And kind of, um, we can't hear him, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh no, Lassie's their boy stuck in the well. <laughs> Shit, let's go to the well. You know, the characters can understand the animal, but we can't. So I'm kind of you know that's fine. I guess that's a little too whimsical for for this show. Um, the, the the casting all seems really on point. Um, I really enjoyed the pacing. Um, it's an hour long, ep- like each episode's an hour long, I believe. Um, episode one definitely was, but I presume the the other episodes are as well. It's ten episodes for um. I mean, it's season one, but they call it part one. Both. Season 1 and Season 2 were filmed back-to-back. So, I'm pretty sure we're going to get Season 2 because they've already made it. So, they were feel- they're feeling pretty confident that this was going to be a winner. And I think it will be a winner. Um, it is it is really good. The main actress uh, that plays uh, Sabrina is phenomenal. She is, she's got that kind of, like, quirky nature that I remember from the old show. Yet, she's also, like, really capable and just gets shit done. And it's... It's a really solidly built character. Like, it's it doesn't take much for you to understand everything that Sabrina's about. Um, because it's just so well-developed throughout the first episode. Like, you get a really good grasp of all of these characters kind of right out the gate. Which is so important for a show that's only ten episodes long. You really need to get a firm grasp of what they're all about pretty quickly in order for you to get really on board with what's happening. So... They did an excellent job of that. Special effects are pretty damn good, I gotta say. There's there's some scenes and some bits um, that are just just done incredibly well. They do a lot with a little, I guess. Um, like, it isn't super like... How can I describe this? They use the horror elements and the really scary stuff so kind of sprinkled throughout the episode. So it's not constant like, oh, there's another zombie fucking dip, fuck, doop, doop. It's not like that. It's not like every 
corner you look, there's some spooky shit. Uh, it's pretty atmospheric. Uh, the town is described as feeling like Halloween every day, which sounds like the absolute worst place to live from my point of view. Um, Halloween's fine, but, you know, I, I just take it or leave it. Um, I, I know I'm saying that in the middle of my spooky, spooky episode of the Going Upcast, but yeah, yeah, just take it or leave it. Anyway, they do very well in that stuff. There's a couple of scenes. Uh, there's a couple of, like, I don't know what to call them, hallucinations or flashbacks or visions um, that have a lot of this kind of spooky special effects stuff going on that are done incredibly well. So, I mean, production-wise, the show is top, top draw. They definitely put some good money in this, and the people making the show knew how to spend it. It is unclear to me when this show actually takes place. I'd be guessing the time of Archie Comics, which I think is the 50s, based on the cars, um, and the total lack of, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know, to be perfectly honest, because one of the characters had a laptop. Or what I presume was a laptop. It's really unclear when the show takes place. The cars are really old, and so are, like, the outfits and the kind of school nature and stuff like that, but I think there was, like, current-day technology. I don't know when the show takes place. Um, and that's kind of fun. I enjoy that. Uh, it, it's, it looks like it's got elements of a whole bunch of different things. And, of course, naturally, magic's a thing. Um, so, you know, you get, you get the good, you get the bad, you get the both, and then you got... Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Let's see, what else did I want to talk about? There's this kind of giveaway that they have in terms of the actual editing of the show that kind of takes some of the magic out. So, if you ever saw Defenders, which is a Netflix show that combined all the Marvel Cinematic Universe shows on Netflix into one, like, air quote, super show. One of my biggest issues I had with that show was that each character had a color and that color was represented on screen for their scenes. So anytime Luke Cage was on screen, the whole... It was like somebody put a yellow filter over the camera and everything had a tint of yellow to it. Daredevil was red, Jessica Jones was blue, and Iron Fist was green. And it's so transparent what that's all about. To the point that when they finally decide to be a team, all four colors are represented on the screen at the same time. It's, it's not even subtle. It's just like, here's here's everybody's colors, and look, now they're a rainbow of teamwork. It was so infuriating when I was watching that show for the first and only time. I've never gone back and watching that. It was terrible. Um, but they did that shit all over the place. This show has a similar effect. What they do is that anytime anything magic or spooky is about to happen, the edges of the screen go really blurry. It's called vignetting, I believe. Um, and basically, like, the, the center of the screen isn't focused, but everything else is kind of fuzzy. Now, this comes and goes. It seems like what the effect they're trying to do is like when the presence of great magic or great evil is in the shot, the camera gets all fucked up. So there's this one character who, um, I don't want to spoil much of anything, but I mean, it's only episode one, so if you watch it, you're going to see this stuff pretty quickly on. There's a character who is definitely set up to be the villain for the season, and there's this one shot of, of that character where the whole screen is just kind of that fuzzy, out-of-focus, layered thing going on. And it uh, it makes it a little difficult to see what's happening, but I also think it might be used as a tool to make their special effects look better than they actually are. There's a, there's a familiar um, that that particular character has that looks like a puppet, um, but it's like, with that effect, you can't really get a good look at it. So chances are they are probably using it to kind of save themselves a little bit. But it also kind of clues in the person watching the show that, okay, the screen's all fucked up. Get ready for some shit. Get ready for some spook-ass shit. It's coming down right now. So, you know, first episode was really strong out of the gate. Uh, I might have time today to watch another one. But I would say, in terms of uh, in terms of spooky shows worth watching, that I think, like, I like horror stuff from an observer standpoint. Like, whenever a cool horror movie comes out that I think is going to be good, I don't watch it. I read, like, a synopsis of what it was about, so I understand kind of where the story goes. Um, I don't do well with witnessing it myself, or at least I haven't in the past. Usually, if I see something spooky when I was, like, a child, it would really stick with me. Um, and, you know, I, I have a very vivid imagination, so it's like... 
when you see something spooky and you know you, you don't forget it easily so for me being of the type of person who doesn't do well with spooks you can trust me when I say that this show's spooks are more than enough for me if you're a really hardcore horror fan and like you know jump scares are old hat and I don't know spooky imagery you're just like yeah whatever I see that shit every Tuesday then this show might not be scary enough for you I would say this is I would say this is entry level spooks um, they're done very well, and I am appreciative of the spooks not being, well, I say most of the spooks of this episode were not that bad. There was one fucking scene that horrified me, and I'm going to tell you what it is, because fuck it. Um, so, uh, Sabrina's trying to make a club at school, and her principal's an asshat, and she knew that club never would have gotten through if her principal was there, but the dude never takes a sick day. He's so on point. He's so punctual. He's always fucking there. So what Sabrina does is she and her, as described on Wikipedia, pansexual cousin Ambrose, cool, um, decide to, I don't know if it was a curse or a spell. I'm guessing it was a spell. Um, they send a horde, a horde of spiders to this poor fucker's house while he's sleeping. And they were just crawling all over him. And he like wakes up and he starts brushing them off. And we're not talking like little baby spiders. There's a couple little baby spiders and some spiders like the size of a quarter. And then there's like some fucking the size of your hand, like tarantulas. And I'm like, that's not where they live. They, they wouldn't be in this. I don't actually know where this, where Greenwood is in geographic location. Shows filmed in Vancouver. I know that. Um, because all of these types of shows are filled in Vancouver. It's basically a CW show on Netflix, but it's good. It's really good. Don't let that deter you. You got it. I, I know, like, if you don't like the CW's particular brand of teen drama, then I could see a lot of people, like, running to the hills from... But no, trust me. Just because Greg Berlanti is one of the executive producers and he was the person behind Riverdale and Supergirl and The Flash and Arrow and all those shows... You gotta trust me. This is really good, okay? Just don't. It, it is. It's it's the best CW show I've ever seen, and it's not a CW show. It's Netflix. You just you gotta you gotta trust me, okay? Don't run for the hills. Give it a shot. All right. Don't let the ter deter you. Personally, I don't mind CW shows, but that's beside the point. Anyway, this poor fucker is just covered in spiders, and he's standing up and he's brushing over, and then he like like in his panic to get them off him he slams into like a cabinet and falls over onto the ground and they're crawling all over him and he lands on like a pile of spiders and they like cuts away to like spiders just covering his TV you can barely see the TV for all these spiders and I'm sitting here going like ah! <sighs> god oh, it's just uh, I don't like it I didn't like it it was really good but I didn't like it so you know spiders man fucking fucking one of the aunt's familiars are spiders and i'm like why would you willingly choose that what is the matter with you choose some anything else why would you want your familiar to just be a horde of spiders god i suppose if they were your familiar you wouldn't be afraid of them but it's just like oh what happened to your familiar oh, i killed him again ah oh, shit ah oh, that poor goblin Apparently all the familiars are goblins that, like, take the form of, like, animals. I didn't know that. Um, I, I was clued in real quick watching episode one, though, when you see Salem not in his cat form. Her cat form? I can't remember. Um, everything's pretty fluid in the show, which I love. You know, gender um, is it's super fluid in this show. Indeed, it's, uh, it's a pretty serious plot point for episode one. Um, absolutely. So, you know. There's that as well, which is just an added uh, benefit that they are being inclusive in that nature. But I would say it is a very good show. I'm more excited about this show than I have been about a show in a long time. I think the show's got a lot of legs to it. Um, I think it's got a lot of great potential. I'm really excited to see where it goes. And, you know, I don't know much about the source material except for Sabrina the Teenage Witch and based on my brief experience with that and my brief experience with this, they're similar in the names of the characters and that's about it. They seem pretty, pretty different. That one was much more family friendly. This one's much more dark and serious and stuff like that. That being said, the show made me laugh a lot 
but not because it was funny, just kind of the over-the-top nature of some of the scenes were were hilarious. There's this one bit, I'll tell you this, it's closer towards the end of the episode, but she needs to find an old tree in an apple orchard for some reasons that are plot-specific. And I'm like, is she going to cast a spell um, to know which tree is the oldest? Because I'm looking at all these trees and like they're all pretty much the same height. And I'm like, the only way you can really know the age of a tree is if you cut it open and count the rings. And she can't do that. So I'm like, how are you going to know which tree is the oldest? And then the camera points at a sign that says old tree with a finger pointing into the hay maze. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Well, it looks like magic wasn't necessary. You have a fucking magic sign that tells you, hey, look, everybody, it's the oldest tree in the orchard. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved that a lot. And there's this, uh, I don't, all right, you gotta watch it. There's a lot of really fun, dumb stuff in the show that makes it super enjoyable for somebody like me. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm not really sure. It's not bad. It's just funny how how some of these things come about um, and how some things are really quickly resolved or seemingly resolved. So I will say that. Um, and I'm going to throw this in here right at the end just in case, just in case, because I don't want anybody coming back to me. Um, definitely more aimed towards adults than kids. Um, there's a lot of... Not a lot, but there's definitely some gore. There's a bit of nudity. So, you know, if, you know, that kind of stuff. There's no, like, foul language. At least not yet. So, you know, that's fine. But, you know, maybe the youngins should go to bed before you put this on. Because, um, it won't screw you up as an adult. But kids, there's a couple of scenes in which this will really fuck kids up. So don't, kid, no. Don't, don't let your kids watch it. Can't condone that one. So, but then again, they're your kids, so you can make your own decisions, but I wouldn't recommend it. You know, if I was a child, I would not want to watch this. So, just pointing that out for the record. Anyway, go watch Sabrina, or The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I was about to say Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, I, I don't think the show will ever perfectly reach a 10 for me, because the cat doesn't talk. If Salem the cat talked, the rest of the show could be crap. It would have been a 10 out of 10. I really wanted a talking cat. I have the, I basically have a talking cat, but I can't understand a talking cat. So, I'm a sucker for talking cats, is basically what I'm saying. Kiki's delivery service, I'm all over that shit. That cat's the best. Anyway, that's enough for this spooky segment of the podcast. And now, we'll move on to the next thing in the podcast. <laughs> Welcome, my, my ghoulish people. Yes, it is I, Spooky, Spooky Andrew, coming to you live from the back of a hearse. Coming, coming to tell you the story of the most terrifying thing imaginable. <laughs> Traffic, this shit's fucking stupid. Oh my God. So, all right. I had to wake up at some ludicrous hour in the morning to go to everybody's favorite, everybody's favorite place, the dentist. Um, I, I don't mind the dentist. Um, my, my particular dentist is just a joy to talk to and the hygienist is just wonderful. I, I, I really enjoy my time at the dentist. I've never had an issue going to the dentist. I have wonderful teeth and it's not a problem for me. What is a problem for me is the fucking hour and a half I've been sitting in traffic trying to get home. It's nonsense. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Why are you fuckers at work? I don't have to be at work until noon. This is horrible. Ugh. This is three-lane highway. It's like living in the Stone Age. Oh, my God. I hate it. I hate it so goddamn much. Traffic, traffic coming into the city to go to my dentist wasn't nearly as bad as this nonsense. And this nonsense is going to be bad for a while. Like, ugh. Ugh. Give you context. I'm just now leaving Issaquah, which is where my dentist is. It's a, it's a little suburb town outside of Seattle. And I'm on 90 going west to get back on 5 to go north to go home before I have to go to work. At this rate, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to have to go straight to work like a schmuck. Because uh, it's taking so long. 
And it was like, was it the only way home? No, I probably could have taken some back roads or whatever, but the only way I knew how to get home. So, you know, it's the scariest thing I'm gonna do all day is deal with this horse shit. God damn it. Oh yeah, sure, come over, my lane's faster. You idiot. Get back in, now look, 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 look. You came to a full stop and the people on the lane next to you are going faster than you because you changed lanes, you idiot. You gotta pick a lane and you gotta stay with it because that's gonna ebb and flow the whole fucking time. So, yeah, that's what's up. So, the intro was pretty strong and I knew I wanted to talk about this, but I mean, that's basically all I, all I got. The goofs are done. Traffic blows, the dentist was fine. I don't know why people fear the dentist. Um, it's like, it gets your teeth clean. And usually people who are afraid of the dentist have terrible teeth because they never go to the dentist. And let's, I'm gonna move on to the next thing in podcast. What is Halloween without some spooky songs for you to listen to? That's right, it is time for Songs of the Week. Now, this week, I have three Songs of the Week, and that will become pretty clear why this is the case here in a little bit. But first off, let's talk about my first two Songs of the Week. Now, these two songs I pulled off of one of Spotify's many Halloween playlists, and I chose these two particular songs because they have absolutely no business being on any Halloween playlists. It confused me, the presence of these songs. And I have a theory. I have a theory for why these songs are on here. Because my guess is that when they were making these playlists, they just did like a keyword search for things like devil and hell. And thinking like, oh, that'll, those are spooky. Those will work. We'll just put those on the playlist. That's totally fine. So the first of these songs that doesn't belong on any Halloween playlist uh, is fucking Tribute by Tenacious D. It is. It is on a Spotify playlist. You can go look right now. It is on specifically, uh, which one did I find this on? It wasn't Headbangers Halloween. I think it's like Ultimate Halloween. I think it's just right up there or Monster Jams. It's one of these playlists. I forget which one, but it's in there. Trust me. So Tribute by Tenacious D. Released in July 16 of 2002 off of their first studio album. Oh my God. What can I even say about Tribute? It is excellent song it is one of my it's one of my favorites tribute is um a lot of people have theorized that tribute is referring to stairway to heaven indeed there's a lot of uh, similarities between the two songs uh particularly the ending for me um are remarkably similar and it's one of those things that this song has the tenacious d effect where it's funny the first time you listen to it but once the funny wears off then it's just a legitimately great song. Tribute is a wonderful song. I think it's still, to this day, one of the best songs Tenacious D has put out, which is being hammered into the ground even more so by the presence of their new songs, which are kind of hit and miss for me. So, Tribute is... It's it's superb. It's wonderful. And because I just couldn't help myself, I kind of went... I kind of really went for it with this week's cover. So here is uh, more tribute than probably should have been you know recorded but fuck it i just i just really went for it so here's like a minute and a half of me singing tribute this is not the greatest song in the world no this is just a tribute couldn't remember the greatest song in the world no Peculiar thing is this, my friends, the song we sang on that faithful night, but it didn't actually sound anything like the sound. This is just a tribute. You gotta believe me, and I wish you were there. It's a matter of opinion.
That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that one. That was a good cover. That was a good, upbeat, fun cover. I really enjoyed my time with Tribute. Anyway, let's talk about the next song that has no business being on a Halloween playlist because it isn't spooky in the slightest. And that comes to us from July 1979 off the album Highway to Hell. It is Highway to Hell by ACDC. Again, they just keyword searched hell. That's the only reason the song comes up. To my knowledge, the songs aren't even spooky, you know? Or the lyrics aren't even spooky. It's just... So good old fashioned, one of the classic ACDC songs pumps me right the frick up. You know, you just get moving, you get grooving with Highway to Hell. You know, you all know the song. ACDC is pretty ubiquitous in today's culture. It's a wonderful song. You can listen to both of these songs on the Going Up Cast playlist on Spotify. I found out both GoingUpCast.com. And if you look up Going Upcast on Spotify, you will find this playlist. And you can listen to these songs in their entirety. This third song, because I couldn't do a Halloween song of the week without giving you at least one legitimately terrifying song. I refuse point blank to put this on the feel good playlist. And I haven't listened to this song. I listened to the song a couple of days ago for the first time in like three years because of how much it upsets me. This song is fucked up. So a little bit of backstory. This song comes off of... Welcome to My Nightmare by Alice Cooper, released March 11th in 1975. It's the oldest song I'm talking about this week. It's called Steven. Now, Steven is a character that Alice created that is actually present in several different albums. I believe he appears in at least six of them. Steven is... So, uh, here's what Alice Cooper says about Steven. Alice believes that Steven is a seven-year-old boy that lives in us all and keeps us young. The song Steven is about Steven as a child who kills his parents because they upset him. And then when he's an adult, he kills women, yet he's haunted by the memory of his parents and those he's killed. So throughout the song, you hear his name, Steven. You hear his name called um, constantly. It's first called by his parents, wondering where he is. And then it's called by the ghosts of those he's killed. And I believe, if depending on your interpretation, it could even be the people calling up from the basement in which he's locked them in. And the, the characterization of Steven as a young child and as an adult via Alice's performance is haunting. He does the little kid thing in the beginning and then he does kind of like the grown-up batshit insane thing um, later on. Uh, the audio production on the the ghosts of his past calling his name Steven. It's like this weird kind of echoing whisper that fades from one side of the speakers to the other. It's like it, uh, I can't even I can't even describe it. It just it shoots chills right up your bone. But here's the big thing I have with this song is that instrumentally the song's incredible. It's such a good song. Like there's horns and it's really big and bombastic and it's epic and it's this huge big production and it's super theatrical and instrumentally the song's awesome and it's one of my favorites but I can't listen to the song because it's too fucking spooky so I'm like damn you Alice Cooper you came out with a really fucking amazing song that's too terrifying you did your job too well and now I can't listen to it so I, I like honestly it like when you know the backstory to Steven it really does sink in deep to the point where it is my go-to creepy fucking song. I'll be like, oh, you think like every step you take, oh, you think that's creepy? Motherfucker, have you heard Steven yet? This shit's fucked up. So I'm not putting it on a playlist. I don't, if you want to hear it, that's on you. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't recommend it, honestly. I think it's it's a wonderful song instrumentally, but the, the story and the lyrics are just, for me, it's too much. So listen to At Own Risk. I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that, but I, I couldn't, you know, it's Halloween, it's spooky, now's the time. If you listen to it once, it'll stick with you for the rest of your life. I'm just going to tell you that straight up. It's a one and done, or you'll never forget the song. I promise you. So, if you want that burden on your life, then that's, that's your burden to bear. But, you know, you can join me in my fucking nightmare of a, of a memory that I have of when I heard the song for the first time. This song is so bad that I fucking delete it off of everything on my computer. I don't have the song on my computer. I had to look it up on YouTube. I have, like, Welcome to My Nightmare, like, the album on my computer, but I deleted that song. I purged it from my from my systems. I didn't want it anywhere. I didn't... I never wanted to accidentally listen to this song. That was... That's what scared me the most. 
is that like if you hit shuffle all like this has just as much of a chance of coming on as anything else and i'm like i'm not taking that fucking risk so and then to really make it terrible so steven has a really iconic piano piece at the beginning of it when alice cooper came out with welcome number two my Nightmare, the sequel to Welcome to My, My Nightmare in 2011, I want to say. The first song on the album is called I Am Made of You, and it starts off with the exact same piano bit from Steven. And when I heard this album for the first time, I it, I freaked me out. I'm like, no, I'm not doing this again. But it was, it's, that song is actually beautiful. It's um, all about how he's a born again uh, Christian and stuff like that. Anyway, enough of me talking about Alice Cooper. Steven's a terrifying song. The, the I've, I've presented it to you you may now do with that information as you will and if you guys have a song you would like to suggest for song of the week or a song indeed you wish to cover and send me audio files of your cover for listening ship upon this podcast well you can send all of those things to goingcast at gmail.com or using the contact page at goingcast.com now if you actually send me a uh, cover of you recording the song you'll probably have to send that to me in email i do not believe you can attach files to the comment section i could be wrong i don't think you can um if there's an option though i'll find it so and make that a make that a thing but i think that'll do it for for spooky songs of the week and let's move on to the next thing in the podcast <laughs> You know, it's almost, uh, funny that this week's spooky episode focuses on one of the spookiest things to occur in Harry Potter. (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) It's too early in the morning for this. Anyway, three new chapters of Harry Potter this week, and, uh, we got, we got some good stuff in here, honestly. These, this is a great bunch of chapters we got going on here. We've got chapter seven, Bagman and Crouch. Uh, we got, I was going to talk about that a little bit, but let's just keep going. We got chapter eight, the Quidditch World Cup, and then chapter nine, the Dark Mock. And for me, at least, that's really when shit kind of kicks off and gets going, because that's when shit really kicks off and gets going. But this week's highlight, naturally in keeping with the spooky theme, comes to us from chapter nine, the Dark Mark, where I get really mad at the uh, lack of attempt by the general populace to defend themselves. More wizards were jumping or were joining the marching group, laughing and pointing up at the floating bodies. Tents crumpled and fell as the cr- marching crowd swelled. Once or twice, Harry saw one of the marchers blast a tent out of his way with his wand. Several caught fire. The screaming grew louder. This whole scene pisses me off so much, right? It's, all right, it, there's a hundred thousand wizards at in this campsite right now a hundred thousand wizards at best this crowd maybe 20 to 30 to 50 people large at best right in the movie it's like six death eaters and i'm just sitting here going like they like all right i i know like this doesn't really equate to our world right where it's like you know oh if they have guns if everybody else had a gun it would work out but this is a world with like magic and everybody has a wand so even if you knew like rudimentary magic defensive spells you guys could easily overwhelm these motherfuckers with this sheer numbers there's a hundred fucking thousand of you guys you can't all be evil dickholes like why wouldn't you defend yourselves i don't know it's i i don't like making that argument when it comes to guns but when it comes to fucking magic these motherfuckers should have tried harder especially with all the ministry magic wizards that are hanging around that are actually supposed to be providing oh i don't know security and they still couldn't take these fuckers down so stupid so fucking stupid three brand new chapters of harry potter and the gooblet of fleer come out every wednesday evening roughly around eight ish o'clock in the pacific standard time zone if i had to guess and uh you know they're really good they're really good i enjoy them i enjoy them a lot allow these chapters to accompany you into the spooky night of, uh, oh, actually, these chapters are going to land on specifically Halloween, aren't they? Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yes, they're proper spooky. It's a good thing that it's synced up so nicely. I wish I could say it was planned, but it wasn't. I'm not that, uh, I'm not that clever. Anyway, here's Harry Potter chapters, and let's move on, on to the next thing in the spooky, spooky podcast. So... 
So, I'm going to do a deep voice late night bit here because it's late at night and it's spookier that way. Yeah, no, not really. Um, anyway, y'all may remember from a couple of weeks back that I played me some Spittermans, some Spider, some Spider-Mans, and uh, the DLC, the first DLC for PS4 Spider-Man has dropped. It's called The Heist, and I'm convincing myself that I can talk about it here on the Halloween Spooktacular episode of the Going Upcast because he wears a costume. There's your connection. Anyway. I just finished the main storyline for this DLC, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, uh, because it's really good, and I think you should play it, but I will say a couple of things. Number one, it is irrevocably tied to the other three upcoming DLCs, so don't think that this is just a one and doneer. It absolutely... It's it's the beginning of a story, so you gotta play them all if you're gonna play them at all. So get ready for that. Um, number two, it has a lot of stuff in it. It probably if you do everything, including like the randomly occurring crimes, five six hours easy worth the DLC content, which is really nice. Uh, number three. It introduces a lot of um, new enemy types that are fucking horseshit. Some like the big brawlers with mini guns. It's fucking terrible. They suck because they oh they just decimate you. Surprise, surprise! Turns out getting leveled by a mini gun, huh? That might kill you. Who saw that coming? Um, deals a lot with Felicia Hardy, uh, who's the black cat, and a lot of backstory actually. Quite a quite a bit. Talks about Felicia's family. Talks about uh, Black Cat and Spider-Man's relationship in the past. There's a lot of good stuff in here, especially if you are a bit of a webhead and like that spider action. Um, for me, I'm all about like the story and the main quests and all that stuff. It's all very well executed. There's lots of great cutscenes. Um, it's you know it just feels like more of the game. It doesn't feel like this had less budget or they gave this less attention. It really feels like a natural extension of the game. And what's really cool about this DLC is that it kind of falls in line basically anywhere in the story. Like you can play it after you beat the main campaign, like I have, or you could play this while you're playing the main campaign, and it all feels pretty fucking natural. It feels like it flows fairly well. Um, I would say that you probably shouldn't play the DLC until you're at least halfway through the main campaign. Um, because then you'll have all the necessary bits and bobs in your repertoire memory bank in order to understand what the hell is actually going on. So, the first DLC for Spider-Man is very good. I highly recommend it. If you liked the core game, you're going to like this. It's it's just more, more awesome Spider-Man action. I'm very excited for the uh, next couple of DLCs. Especially with again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it, but let's just say, pretty strong cliffhanger. And I want more. I I want to know what happens. So I'm very much looking forward to the next chapter of Spiderman. Also, I found out that this particular story of Spider-Man, these characters, um, their appearances, the story that they've written in the game, is continuing. In another medium, there is a comic book based off of the PS4 Spider-Man. I believe it's called Spider-Geddon, and I think you can find issue one out now. So you could take that, you take a look at that if you just if you crave more of this exact universe of Spider-Man and Mary Jane and their all those interconnected characters and all that stuff. Like if this particular layout of how everything's broken down is to your bag, then you know. There's a comic book you can go check out called Spider Geddon. So written by the same people that wrote the game. So they know what's up. They they know. And it's it is a continuation off the main story of the core game. I don't know if that includes elements of the DLCs. Probably doesn't. It's probably its own offshoot, but that's the beauty of a thing like this, is that you can tell all sorts of micro stories and it all makes sense in the grander universe of the game that you've built. It doesn't all have to flow from one to the other, but it can all be interconnected because that's just the life of a comic book character. That's the life of Spider-Man. Spider-Man is all things, and it's all awesome. So, that's enough of plugging and that. I'm going to talk real briefly about another game that I know is out and about that everybody's just got their, you know, fucking hula hoops spinning around for, and that's Red Dead Redemption 2. I never played Red Dead Redemption 1, 
And to be perfectly honest, I don't really have a lot of interest in Red Dead Redemption 2. It seems like a fine game. It's open world and everybody gets a real big kick out of that. God forbid, you know, whoa, look at me, I'm weird. I prefer single player fucking linear stories that are awesome. Like God of War and Spider-Man and Cyberpunk 2077. Although I think that's also going to be pretty open world, but it's single player focused. You know, I like those games, but that being said, I also play WoW, so I get the best of all worlds. Um, but for me, Red Dead Redemption, it looks fine, but I'm sorry. There's no world in which I think riding a horse is more interesting than driving a car. Like, that's that's my thing. I directly compare Red Dead Redemption 2 to Grand Theft Auto. And I was like, which would you rather do? Do you want to hop on horseback and ride into town and hold up a saloon and maybe start a bar fight? Or do you want to steal a Harrier jet and carpet bomb downtown Los Angeles and then parachute out of the Harrier jet, steal 11 cars, kill everybody on the streets, and then respawn and do it all over again? Hmm. Which one of these is a more fun sandbox room do you play with? The one that's just got sand in a bucket? Or the one that's got like lightsabers and fucking carp and uh, pipe bombs and all sorts of crazy fun toys to play with? Uh, you know, that's, I don't know. It's, that's, that's my thing. Plus, Red Dead Redemption 2 has a lot of realism to it. Uh, if your horse dies, it's fucking dead. It doesn't come back. Uh, you can lose your hat. You gotta keep your gun clean. You gotta feed yourself. And that's all well and good, but it's it, that's for the type of person who, like, min-maxes, you know? You know who has a good mindset for that sort of shit? It's fucking... I don't know. I was gonna say crazy people, but <laughs> I, it doesn't appeal to me. Like, I played Train Simulator once a long time ago, and I got really mad when my train derailed because I was going too fast around bends. And I'm like, oh, you take it this seriously? Fuck, I don't want to do that. I'm out. Done. Pass. I'm not... I've never... I never, never played it again. Because it's like, I don't play games for realism. Unless I specifically seek that out. Like, if it was a fun western jaunt kind of thing, sure. But it's not. It's like a fucking survival game now. Where you gotta feed yourself and keep track of all your shit. And remember where you tied up your goddamn horse. And then just like, ugh. That's not a game, that's chores. It's a list of shit I gotta keep track of. I already got that with World of Warcraft. With my fucking word document of the fucking things I need to take care of every goddamn day in order to make sure I get all the fun things I need in order to be the best at World of Warcraft because that's how that game goes. I don't need another game, especially a 100 gigabyte game. You can fuck right off with that. Might play it when the multiplayer comes out, but probably not. I've been tricked before with only multiplayer games. I'm looking at you, Sea of Thieves. Turns out sailing around blank empty seas with nothing in them is bullshit. Anyway, that's enough of me getting angry at the gaming universe. Um, Spider-Man's great. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man scratches all the itches I have for a solid video game. It's got a good story. It's got relatable, likable, awesome characters that you care about because it's fucking Spider-Man. So, you know. The only redeeming thing I've seen about Red Dead Redemption 2 was a sign, was like a, a gif I saw of somebody riding on horseback into the middle of a fucking clan rally and he blows them up with dynamite. That's awesome. I loved that. But I'm not spending 60 bucks on that. So I can just watch that gif over and over again. I'm good. I'm done. So, yeah, probably not going to play Red Dead if I'm perfectly honest. Never play the first one. It just doesn't interest me. That's just, that's the long and the short of it, man. That's the long and the short of it. Go play Spider-Man. Spider-Man's a great game. Here's the best bit. You don't have to feed Spider-Man. You don't have to refill your web shooters. Could you imagine? Could you imagine how stupid that would be? Ah, your suit's dirty. No one's going to take you seriously. You got to go to the laundromat and wash it. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck right off with that. That sounds super stupid, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does sound super stupid. But yeah, that's what you do in Red Dead. You know? You don't, if you Apparently, if you don't bathe yourself often enough, you'll smell so bad and the flies will start circling that you won't get fucking quests anymore. You can fuck right off with that shit. That's not why I play games. Games are supposed to be fun, not work. So, anyway, that's enough. That's enough of that. I'm gonna, I'll move on to the next thing in the podcast. Apparently, the, the spooky thing about this segment was I got angry. Oh no, what, a, what an unusual circumstance. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. I'm still in this traffic. It's been two hours in real time. 
since I did the bit from before. I can't even believe this. I'm, oh my god. So apparently there was a big, big accident on I-5 South, and I-5 South is backed up like fucking miles. It's obscene. I'm looking at the traffic. It hasn't moved in like 10 minutes, but then again, neither am I. Oh my god. Uh, see, this is the worst bit about getting on I-5 North, is that there's this like this bit in Seattle where it's four lanes and it goes down to one and it sucks. The right lane merges into the center lane and then the left lane merges into the center lane. And everybody knows this, yet there's still fuckers in the right lane and fuckers in the left lane and they don't know when to get in the fucking center lane. We all know this collectively. It goes down to one fucking lane, people. One lane. Get in this lane. I'm in the right lane. You're all gonna have to merge in with me. And I'm not feeling very generous at the moment. So I'm just gonna hug the ass of the person in front of me and y'all fuckers are gonna need to figure it out. This traffic blows. And finally this week, I thought instead of doing what I originally intended, I'll tell you what I originally intended. So my original plan for ending this spooky episode of the Going Upcast was to read you or tell you a scary story. And I'll be honest, I recorded like five or six of them. I tried. I really did. It never felt on message. It never felt tonally correct. You know, I don't want to end this on a scary note. You're going to get your spooks. No problem. It's Halloween. You want spooks? There's plenty of spooks around. I could recommend you some spooks. And I, in fact, I have in this very episode of the Going Upcast. But what I want to leave you on a message with is something more lighthearted, something more in keeping with me. Because as far as I'm concerned, once Halloween has come and gone, it's the fucking holidays. It's Christmas time. I'm not going to start doing holiday episodes until December because I recognize that I'm the only person in the world who thinks of November as lead up to Christmas. But, you know, that's, you know, Thanksgiving's like the midpoint for me for the, you know, the holiday season. But we're not there yet. We're here in Halloween. And... I want to tell you a story. Just went and saw me a brand new musical. I forget the name of it. It was something like the the strange life of Howard Barnes or the peculiar life of Howard Barnes or the wondrous life of Howard Barnes. It's something along those lines. Um, and it's about this guy who finds himself in a musical and he doesn't want to be in the musical. So it starts off like a normal night for this dude and then he starts hearing music everywhere and Everybody around him starts bursting into song, and he's really weirded out, weirded out and confused. And throughout the journey of this musical, he eventually finds out who's responsible for the musical. Um, and, like, the whole musical was trying to get him to, like, admit his feelings for the, for the love interest, whose name I also don't remember. Um, I saw it, like, fucking three hours ago, and I don't remember these details. Anyway, uh... He eventually kind of breaks down and, uh, like, shatters the illusion of the musical. Um, and there's this great moment when, like, the curtain's down. And uh, Howard kind of crawls his way from underneath the curtain, having escaped the musical. And he comes off the stage and into the audience. And uh, the antagonist for the musical um, reveals themselves to just have been an audience member the whole time watching the musical, having paid to see it. Um, and they have this wonderful conversation about how, like, uh, you know, if you run from your dreams forever, then you'll never truly be happy and all those sorts of things. And he realizes that while the musical may not have been real, it was more real than anything else his life had been about. So he restarts the musical. Um, the love interest, who was a paid actress to be in the f fake musical, uh, you know, turns out that she actually really loved him and they get together and... Um, the final number was all about how there's music everywhere if only you have the ears to hear it. That was the that was the message at the end of the musical. And I'm like, that is a lovely fucking message. I, I love that message because it's like, your, your world can be a musical. Your world can be full of happy times and laughter and love and all these amazing emotions that make being human worth it, you know? Uh, but you've got to you've got to be receptive to it. You've got to be open for it. You've got to be listening 
for that music. And I was like, that's a that's a strong ass message. And I vastly prefer that message to leaving you uneasy with a scary story, making you look over your shoulder because something spooky might be there. And, you know, instead, how about you go out into this, you know, into the rain and look up and just feel it splash down all around you. And you can feel just the the wonder of the world you're in. Because if you don't take a second and, you know, look around and enjoy your surroundings once in a while and truly take stock of what's important in life, it'll just zip right on by. It'll zip right on by. And that is the most terrifying thing of all. See what I did there? I brought it full circle. Fucking spooky episode. Nailed it. Done. Woo! <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a good ending. That was strong. Might be ruining it here a little bit, but hey. My favorite bit was, um... Uh, at the very end, there was a confetti shooter that just rained confetti all over the audience of the of the musical, and uh, I got one of those little bits of confetti, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to it. I'm gonna hold on to this little bit of confetti to remind me to listen to the music, and to remember the wonderful message that was at the end of this musical. So that's my that's my words of advice for all of you out there, is to listen for the music in life. I hope you all have a happy Halloween. I know I've got a costume. Might even remember to post a picture of it up on the blog. Spoilers, it's Gandalf. But I'm going to play him as Dumbledore because I'm weird and quirky like that. If you want to send in your pictures of your Halloween costumes, I'd love to see them. You can send them to, uh, to goingupcast at gmail.com or... Yeah, that's the only way. You can't use, you can't do attachments in the contact page. But, you know, if you want to send them in, I'll do like a little collage of, of you know, of costumes. And we'll put that up on the, put that up on the website. I think that'd be neat. You're all fantastic. I want you to stay safe, you know, eat tons of candy, but not too much, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure you save some for later, because, I mean, come on, it's free candy, you want to portion that out, and I'll see you all next week, for another episode of the Going Up Cast, thank you very much for listening, have a good one, everyone.